garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God help us. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not. Somebody shout, you must not. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Thank you, God, again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people. Hiding myself now, Greg McGee, hiding myself behind the cross that people may not see, give honor glory to me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And it is in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So um, we're in the middle of a series simply entitled Family Matters. And we're here because how many know family does matter to God? Can you say amen to that? Family absolutely positively matters to God. So the subject or the topic that we want to highlight under this, this theme is disciplining children. Yeah, we want to talk about disciplining children. Uh, before we jump into that, I do want to just highlight God's heart when it comes to his babies. Because how many know parents, God, our children are on loan to us. Is that right? They actually belong to the Lord and he has loaned them to us. So I want to just highlight God's heart when it comes to children. In Matthew 18, chapter, chapter number 18, verses number 2, the Bible declares, He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he has this baby in the midst of all of these grown men, these disciples, and he's saying, unless you become like this child here, you can't even inherit into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He goes on in verse number six, still referencing the child. And he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, one of these children, those who believe in me to stumble, somebody shall stumble. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, this is Jesus talking, by the way. And Jesus says, before you mess with one of my babies, come on, somebody. Before you deal with one of my children inappropriately, it's better for you to take a millstone, wrap it around your neck, and throw your own self, come on, in the depths of the sea. So when I look at this particular passage, I don't want, I don't want my children to stumble. I don't want to do anything on purpose to cause them to stumble. So I, I think that we should encourage our children. Can somebody agree with that? I think that we should support our children. I think that we should provide for our children. But watch the wisdom of this. Support without discipline still cause them to stumble. 
Encouragement alone or provision alone without discipline eventually will cause them to, to stumble. Now, now, let's highlight God's attitude when it comes to disciplining children. And there are a couple of texts that I'm going to throw out there, and it might be controversial to some of you guys, but it's okay. Um, in, this, in this discourse, I'm not necessarily highlighting um, methods of disciplining children. I am highlighting the necessity of discipline. Children, Can somebody say amen to that? In 1 Samuel chapter number 3, verse number 12, God speaks through this young prophet um, a word against the high priest Eli. And he says, I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from, from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God. And he hasn't disciplined them. Now, that's interesting because Eli, the priest, based on his son's positions, he has supported them. He has encouraged them. He has provided for them. But God says, I'm getting on to you not because of the lack of encouragement, the lack of support. I'm getting on to you because of the lack of discipline. Is anybody with me? Proverbs 19:18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. This, this speaks to starting early. Yeah. So, so my, my son, he will be 19 on Monday. Happy early birthday, Greg Stephen McGee Jr. We'll give you $5 for your birthday. Praise the Lord. My boy be 19 years old, chat. Um, I can't start at the age 19 disciplining him. The reality is anything, yeah, this is the, the truth. Anything that I'm pretty much telling him now, I've been telling him all of his life. Somebody shall start early. And I think you need to start early because I'm getting ahead of myself. Hmm. Sin is not cute at any age. Sin is not cute at, at any age. I was, I was at this um, function and, and they had these little girls. They were like five or six years old and, and they, was, they was dropping it like it was hot. I'm just going to say it like that. And, and, and everybody's like, ooh, they so cute. Look at them girls. And I'm thinking to myself, this right here, this attracts the wrong type of attention. And what she's doing at five, come on, somebody. If she's still doing this at 15, mama, you're going to have a problem on your Get out of that, pastor. Proverbs 23:13 says, do not withhold discipline from a child. <laughs> If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Uh, this, this statement, rod, is both literal and figurative. Yes, figurative rod of discipline, but it's also speaking to a literal discipline, a physical um, discipline of children. Now, watch the wisdom, because whenever, in the past, whenever I've taught on Proverbs 23, 13, I always get kickback from parents. Always, there's somebody in the crowd um, that, that argues with me, and I'm not the one that argues. I let them just say what they say, and um, it is what it is. But the reality is, this is not just a figurative language. This is also literal discipline. And, and watch this. It's, it's, a, it's, it's several people who would find problem with this. Um, the first problem is the person who tries to argue with me theologically that this is not a literal discipline. And if you argue against that, then you would have to go throughout the rest of the text. And any time a child or a criminal receives physical punishment, you have to take that out the text. 
Second type of person that would argue with me about something like this is an individual who has an unbiblical philosophy of human nature. And it's interesting because after preparing for every lesson, I do due diligence to really study and to understand what it is that God is trying to say. So I did a whole study on models of, of disciplining children. And several models of disciplining children, the undergirding philosophy is that children by nature are good. Watch this. And if you give them time, goodness will prevail. The devil is a lie. <laughs> because that is not a biblical philosophy of human nature. The biblical philosophy of human nature, watch the wisdom, is that we were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity. I don't have to teach my baby how to lie, but I do have to train them how to tell the truth. I don't have to teach them how to do wrong. They come out. Come on. Nate, Nate will be in the kitchen right now. I say, son, don't get them cookies. And I come back in there. Boy, did you get them cookies? Crumbs all over his mouth. Mm -mm, mm, I ain't touched them cookies. You're lying. Don't have to teach them how to lie, but I do have to teach them how to tell the truth. Can somebody say amen to that? The third type of individual that usually kind of comes against me is the individual that's trying to be friends with their kids. And I'm not opposed to that. Um, but it's hard, watch this, especially at an early age, to really be friends and discipline your children at the same time. Okay, watch, watch this. So, so Chad is like a friend to me. Chad, Chad is a friend to me. And um, so, so Chad, look, I'm, I thought I told you not to stand on that side. I wanted you to stand on this side. Come here, give me, give me your belt. Come on up here, I'm going to beat your butt. <laughs> so... It's going to be real difficult for me and Chad to stay friends if I got to discipline him every, are y'all with me? Usually this, the foundation of this idea of, of just trying to be friends with your children at any cost is an unhealthy emotional attachment. What are you trying to say, Pastor? There are times when parents are trying to get emotional support from their children instead of the other way around. So in essence, disciplining you is punishing me. If I put you on punishment, I'm on punishment at the same time. Here's the fourth type of person that has a problem with, with discipline in general, specifically um, corporal punishment, is the individual that sees punishment as retribution as opposed to a consequence um, to your actions. So punishment, seeing punishment as retribution. So I want to make you hurt as much as you made me hurt or other people hurt. That's not godly discipline. Retribution is not the plan of God. Experiencing the consequences of your sin is the plan of God. God don't punish. He don't curse. I'm going to say this later. He don't curse his kids, but he will allow us to experience the consequences of our sins. Can you say amen to that? Spent too much time on that. I, I just want to highlight a commentary thought. Um, from uh, David Guzik, he says this text, speaking of Proverbs 23, he says this text does not justify brutalizing children. So we're not talking about abuse. Parents who find it only too easy to apply the rod, and especially those who lose their tempers when doing so, should consider Ephesians chapter number 6, verses number 4. Let me go there quickly. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. NIV says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I want to hang my hat 
on Ephesians chapter number six, verses number four. Do not provoke them to anger. Do not do not exasperate them because there are things as parents that we can do when it comes to disciplining our children that will drive them to unnecessary anger. Your discipline can be counterproductive. It can exasperate your child. Now, before I move forward, let me just say this. This message is not a condemnation type message because I'm going to highlight some mistakes that I have made personally when it comes to disciplining our children. And and I keep this at the, the forefront of my mind when it comes to parenting because how many know, how many know parenting is one of the hardest jobs you will ever have in your life? It is one of the hardest jobs you will ever have in your life. And I don't care who you are as a parent, there is some point in your journey of being a parent that you look back and you wish you would have did things differently. So here is encouragement to all the parents that have ever struggled with any type of condemnation. The perfect parent in the world, his first key has made mistakes too. God the Father provided literally everything for his first children, Adam and Eve. There was nothing that they lacked, period. And his first kid still erred as well. Somebody shout, there's hope for me. <laughs> so this is what I want to do. And again, I am ministering from a point, standpoint um, of personal experience, uh, biblical background, and from the countless sessions that I've had with parents that have had struggles with their children. Um, God loves babies. Somebody shout, God loves the babies. God loves children. And a part of us expressing love to our children is not only just supporting them, not only just encouraging them, but a part of expressing love to them is disciplining them as well. So I want to highlight five areas or five things in particular that if we don't do right in disciplining them in this particular area, we can drive or provoke them to anger or exasperate them. Here is the first area. Number one, establishing clear boundaries. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Actually establishing clear boundaries. Genesis chapter number 2, verses number 16, the Bible declares, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil, and when you eat from it, you will certainly die. This has been one of my problems in the past in raising my children. I have uh, five living children that I love very dearly, ranging from the ages of seven all the way to twenty. Six. And in my tenure of parenting for the past uh, 21, 21 years, one of the fallacies was that I just assume my babies ought to know better. I just assume. And some of y'all like, well, that ain't my father. They ought to know better. <laughs> they, they should know better. And in this mindset, just assuming that they should know violates the, the standard or the, the principle of both teaching and training. Somebody shout, teach and train. When you teach your child, you instruct them in what they should do. 
when you train them, you are rehearsing what you have instructed them to do. And the purpose of training is so that it gets in their heart and not just be in their heads. And there are times when my babies have done things easily, and the reason they did it easily is because the instruction was in their head. It really wasn't in their hearts. So I just assume that you ought to know, but the reality is anything that's on your, in your head, as soon as there is an emotional fluctuation, what's in your head dissipates. But you train to get in, into their hearts. The second thing that comes to mind when I think of establishing clear boundaries is being consistent in correction. And again, I've been guilty of this because there are things that my kids have done in public and I was extremely upset with them and I disciplined them. And, then, and when in all actuality, I should have been disciplining myself because the same thing that you disciplining me for at the church, I did it at home and you laughed. I'm just going to let that marinate in the air right there. I'm, I'm just going to be transparent, and maybe it'll cause you to look at your own style of discipline and how you're managing your own children and say, maybe I need to do this a little bit different. Yeah, there's some things that I, I discipline them publicly about. Don't, what you do that for? But, but mom, I, I, I did this at the house, and you didn't. Establishing clear boundaries speaks to the idea of being consistent. Um, here's the question. Is it wrong all the time? Is it wrong all the time? And if it's wrong all the time, there are certain consequences that should be associated with it wherever it's done, whenever it's done. Can somebody say amen to that? The second area of personal failure for me when it comes to disciplining my children is the idea of connecting before correcting. I hadn't always been good at that, connecting before I actually correct. God speaks to Adam in Genesis chapter number 3. The Bible declares, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Now God already knows what has happened. He is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent everywhere at the same time. Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now, God already knows what's going on. He knows that he has violated his command. But before I correct you, let me first connect to you. Can somebody say amen to that? So here is a question to the parents today. Are your children receiving your love as love? Are your children actually receiving your love as love? There's a phenomenal book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And one of the things that Gary Chapman says, he says there's five ways to communicate love. And one of those five ways is your primary love language as well as the person that you love, their primary love language. And you could be speaking in the language that they don't receive. If I ask the average parent, do you love your child? They would say, yeah, I love, yeah, I love my babies. If I ask that same parent, do your child know that you love you? D does your child know that you love them? They would say they should know based on what I do for them, based on what I provide for them, based on what I give them. But in all actuality, you could be demonstrating love in a language that they don't receive. And so when you actually come to correct them, come on somebody, it drives them into a place of anger because they don't feel the connection before the correction. The third area is refusing to curse your children's destiny. 
Understand the child made the mistake. They themselves are not the mistake. Now, definitely this was not one of my areas, but I've seen countless parents that have come in that this is a major issue for them. They wind up cursing their babies. And the reason, now some of you guys are like, I, I can't even see how a parent can do that. It's real easy, especially if you're a parent that has a shame complex yourself. What is a shame complex? Uh, uh, guilt says what I did was wrong. Shame says I am wrong. If you grew up in a house all of your life where you were, where you were battered or whether you were abused or, or whether you went through all types of unnecessary disciplining, after a while you develop a shame complex where you feel as though it's not just what I do is wrong, but I myself am wrong. And if you as a parent have a shame complex, you will mirror that to your child as well. When they do wrong, you won't see what they did. You will see who they are. I hope I'm helping somebody. Look at what God does when he gets ready to discipline the serpent as well as his son. In Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 14, the Bible declares, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you. So God curses the serpent. He curses his enemy. He says, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and, your, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. He curses the enemy, but when it comes to his son Adam, he don't curse. He does curse. He just don't curse Adam. To Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground. In essence, he don't curse Adam. He curses his Xbox. <laughs> Come on. He don't curse Adam. He curses the PlayStation. He doesn't curse his children. Somebody shout, God, don't curse his children. And I've seen parents in situations where it was so easy to utter words out of their mouths that they would regret literally for the rest of their lives. Um, you just like your daddy. You acting just like your old mama. I can't believe you did that. On and on and on and on. And watch this. The Bible declares the power of life and death lies where, y'all? It lies in the tongue. What do you mean the power of life and death? There has been a satanic word already spoke over your child. And when you speak in agreement with the satanic word, you give strength to the word that's been spoken over your, over your child. And what winds up happening in just a moment when your child receives that word that I am just like my mama, I ain't going to be nothing just like my daddy, your child will utter those words and his words will agree with your words which agree with the enemy. Come on, somebody. And the child winds up living out a lie because you curse them with your own words. Somebody shout, the devil is absolutely a liar. The next area is, am I helping anybody? I pray. The next area is establishing a redemptive plan. Somebody shout, my children will make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. Absolutely. They're going to make mistakes. The question is, do you actually have a redemptive plan when they make mistakes? So what it looks like is the child saying in their mind, how do I earn trust again? How do I get close to mom and dad again? I agree that I made the mistake, but what is it that I actually need to do to draw close to them? This is another area that I did okay in because when my children fail, um, when I explain the consequences of their particular actions, I'll tell them that this is the amount of time that I'm giving you to make up in order for you to gain the trust again. Y'all, come on, somebody. Because I realize... 
that is certain things as a dad I got to correct. Because if you leave out of my house with this mentality of deceit, corrupt, this attitude of get over mentality, in the world it's going to get you fired, in the streets it's going to get you killed. So what daddy is doing, and you think that it's mean, you think that I'm being too hard on you in all actuality, I'm trying to save your very life because watch this, um, if, if, I, if I whoop you in my house, I whoop you with mercy. If you get in the strength, they're going to whoop you with no restraints. They're going to whoop you until they get tired. So after establishing the consequences, what is the redemptive plan? Because watch this. I don't want my babies to feel as though that I'm mad at them forever. The devil is absolutely a liar. One of the things that my children, they, they, they really tickle me with this, and it's the truth, um, because uh, in, in the past, um, in, in Charity Greg, they really, they really uh, laugh about this, because they never knew when they were getting ready to get in serious trouble. They, they just didn't know. And one of the reasons why is because I, didn't, I don't like the theatrics. I don't like all the emotionalism and stuff. You know, uh, you know if, if, I'm a, if I'm a whoop, I'm not going to fuss. If I'm a fuss, I'm not going to whoop. I'm going to do one or the other. So they'll come in from school. Um, I remember Greg, his cool self in the third grade. He come home from school, been acting up. And um, I take him to get something to eat. How you doing, son? How was your day? Oh, dad, it was great. He lying. How was school today? Everything was good. Line again. Take me to get something to eat. Why? They're my babies. I'm going to take care of them. Do, do what I got to do. Um, after dinner is over, hey, my son, uh, go in my room. And he looking crazy like, what's that? I thought we were on one accord here. We are. We on one accord. It's time to do some homework, some real homework. Um, after doing what I got to do, um, and, and one of the things that, that I've tried to do in my past is never whoop my children in anger or even discipline them in general in anger. Um, <laughs> you, you know, this, whether you whoop it or not, you can say, go to your room forever. <laughs> you don't mean that. <laughs> Come on. If, if you're going to discipline them, if you're going to put them in their room or whatever, then there's a certain time. I don't want my babies to feel as though that I'm mad forever. So after I'm done, usually... I'm going to have a conversation with my children because I want them to know what the redemptive plan is. You, you, you missed the mark. You did something that I, I told you not to do. This is the consequence behind it. And this is what you need to gain your phone back or gain your car back or gain what, your PlayStation time back or, or gain your Barbie dream house back. Whatever it is I took from them, this is the redemptive plan. Does that make sense? In Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 21, this is powerful. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. What you see here in verses number 21 is the introduction of the sacrificial system. Adam and Eve, they failed God. God disciplines them concerning their failure, and then he establishes a redemptive plan. Because of your sin, you cannot be close to me. Because of what you did, you cannot be close to me because the wages of sin is death. Is that right? But I am putting a plan in position where you can restore the relationship. The wages of sin is death. When you come in my presence, something has to die. So bring a sacrifice into my presence so I can kill it so I don't kill you. This is the redemptive plan that God puts in place so that he can be one with his children once again. Can somebody say amen to that? Here's the final uh, thought. 
Um, and again, this is an area that my wife and I, we haven't been the greatest at in the past, and that is establishing authority agreement. Establishing authority agreement. Um, there are times when we just haven't talked it through as much as we should have before we brought it before the kids. And then there are times when we should have communicated to the grandparents <coughs> what we as the parents decided to do concerning our children because we made a rule, this is what you're going to do. And then they go to my pop's house and he literally break all the rules for his grandbabies. And I'm telling you right now, uh, my daddy, he really get on my nerves. He makes me sick. Because I go to discipline my kids, and he's like, boy, leave them babies alone. They, ain't, they just kids. And I'm like, where is this man? Where was this man 30 years ago? I don't even know who you are. I'm thinking you would have killed me. <laughs> and now you're talking about leave them babies alone. What? Establishing authority agreement. Look, look what God does in Genesis 3.22. He literally counsels within himself. The Godhead comes into agreement and counsels within themselves as to how they're going to react or how they're going to respond to Adam's sin. Genesis 3.22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, counseling, knowing good and evil, and he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So they put a plan in place, the Godhead, all three come together to put a plan in place as to, to, to not allow Adam and Eve to come back into the garden to partake of the free fruit of, of the tree of life. Now, I need you to listen to me just for a moment. I'm almost done. Um, I want you, if you, if you are of a child age and you are still in a position where you could be disciplined by your parents, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be corporal punishment, but there could be some type of consequences um, to your actions. Uh, my son, he's 19. Um, he doesn't receive corporal punishment um, anymore. Um, Charity, like, well, that, that go for me too. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. At a certain age, I think, man, corporal punishment at, at a certain age, at a certain grade, we shouldn't be doing this no more. We should be having conversations. Even if when you, when you fall short, we ought to just be having conversations. So my son, he's at an age I would never do that. I wouldn't do that. But he's still in a place of under authority in my house. So if he does something wrong, there are certain consequences he's going to receive. It, it could be whatever. It could be the taking of his vehicle, taking, taking of them new Jordans I just bought. Where my son at? He in the, yeah, he, I, yeah, he gone, right. <laughs> there could be consequences. And not only for our children, let's talk about us as Christians. <laughs> so, when we sin against God, yeah. The Bible declares if you confess your sins, he is faithful in what, y'all? Just to forgive you of what, y'all? And to do what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yes. God is that good. He has a redemptive plan in place. But God's forgiveness of sin doesn't always negate 
the consequences of your sin. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. And there are times in my life personally that I have gone through hardship in my life as the consequences of sins that I committed. Can I help somebody in this place? It wasn't the, de- the devil wasn't there. People were rebuking the enemy on my behalf, and, and I appreciate all of that, but I knew in the back of my mind that what I'm going through right now, the devil, he was here five months ago. He gone. <laughs> right now, I'm just experiencing the consequences of the sins that I committed. What I learned during those particular seasons is that when you are going through a harvest of negative consequences that you have that you've reaped because of seeds you've sown, go ahead and sow good seeds in the middle of that bad harvest. So when that bad harvest is over, you enter into a good harvest. Can somebody say amen to that? So Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number four, this is for those of you all who are still under authority in your parents' house or for those of us who are just believers and we are under authority when it comes to God. The writer says, in your struggle against sin, you have, not resist, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Somebody shout, don't lose heart. Because how many know God will rebuke you? Now, that's, that's a very controversial statement, especially in society now where we have an exaggerated teaching of grace. The exaggerated teaching of grace is, in essence, you can do whatever you want to do. God loves you so much, he's never going to do anything or allow anything bad to happen as a consequence to your sin. The devil, somebody shout, the devil is a liar. He's absolutely a liar. Verse number six, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And in essence, as parents, that should, be our, that should be our attitude towards our children. I am disciplining you because I love you. I'm helping to break certain patterns in your life because, again, when you leave my house and these patterns aren't broken, it's going to get you fired or killed in the world. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship. As discipline, God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Let's press pause there for a second. Paul is speaking past tense because when I was in my daddy's house, I did not respect my daddy for disciplining me. I didn't respect him and I didn't like it. But here it is now as a 42-year-old man, I thank God for the correction that I received as a child in my father's house. And I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, my friends, my, my supposed to be friends, helped me to hate my daddy. Because the thing that my daddy was rebuking me, correcting me for, disciplining me for, my friends got away with it easily. Now, when you look at my life compared to where they are, come on, when you look at my life growing up under restraints, come on, their lives growing up with no restraints, they took that same mentality in the world, and I have friends right now that's in jail or in the grave because they lived life all their lives without restraints. 
So moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. That's the wisdom that I, I roll with. My daddy disciplined me as he thought best. And I took that same mindset into my children, disciplining them as I thought best. And I've, I've gotten better as a parent. Uh, there, there are things, Aisha, she, she's a trip. She said, she looks at some of the things that we do towards Nate to discipline him, and she's like, you, you let him get away with that? <laughs> That's all he get? <laughs> Are you just going to talk to him? Well, I think that you ought to get better every, with every child. Can every parent say amen? <laughs> they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for, somebody shout it's for our good. In order that we may share in his holiness, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. I'm in the word of God, y'all. No, no, it doesn't matter if it's corporal or if it's figurative. When my parents discipline me and they restrict me but, uh, in, in enforcing consequences of my sins or when God allows discipline in the life of the believer, and I'm telling you today, Jesus, there are times when he will allow certain disciplines. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. My children, my younger children especially, don't always know what's bad for them. They don't always know what's actually bad for them. And as children of God, we don't always know what's bad for us. So there are times when discipline shows up in the form of a restraint of certain things that you cannot do. I want to help somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm so grateful, um, and I love my wife so very much. And, and over the past years, um, Outside of ministry with business endeavors, uh, we've been able to build streams of income, streams of income. And, and the wisdom that I learned from uh, some of my mentors that I see sometimes being violated in uh, other people's lives is that somebody shout, you build one stream at a time. If you're trying to build five streams, you're going to just have five trickles. <laughs> I got five streams of income. No, you got five trickles. That's what you have. Um, we took our times and we built one stream at a until it was able to function on its own. That money was coming and we didn't have to put as much time and attention into that particular stream. Let it flow and then we developed. So we, we, we built streams, streams of income. So at a place financially where I am, not where I want to be, because how many know it's higher heights? I'm at a better place in 2020 than I was in 2000 when I first married my wife. Now watch this. The type of streams that God has opened for me and my wife now, I prayed for this 20 years ago. And in essence, I was disappointed that I didn't get it 20 years ago. Now watch the wisdom. Do you want to know what God was doing for me 20 years ago? I didn't understand it, but I was actually in godly discipline. I had no financial restraints. Didn't have a mind to save. 
didn't have a mind to invest, didn't have a mind to give. Everything that I, every dime I got was about me. It was about my household. It was about what I wanted. So it took time for God to instill discipline on the inside of me so that I knew there's certain monies that come through my hand that I don't, I'm never going to use for me personally. My wife and I, we had a great conversation. Um, we had a, um, a couple that came um, by the house, and, and they were talking about this, this thing that they wanted, um, and it was a big, big item. And um, I said, baby, I want to do it for them. And she said, let's do it. So we went out and, and bought the item, and we, we're going to give it to them as a, as a Christmas gift, no strings attached. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell them, don't buy me nothing for Christmas because I want it. I just want to bless you guys because I, I want to. So there's certain monies that's coming through my hands now that I realize will never be used for me personally. It's for the express purpose of blessing somebody else, blessing the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen to that? So had I not received, God, I want to help somebody in this place. Had I not received 20 years of discipline, and that's what I've been under, 20 years of financial discipline. I was talking to a young guy the other day, and he was having, Sister Keisha, he was picking at my bald head. And I told him, look here, player, I can grow a full head of hair right now. I just happen to think I look cute, and my wife do too, <laughs> with a bald head. The reason I shaved my head, Brother Chris, you know this, is because about 17 years ago, when haircuts was $10 a cut, I missed the glory days. Chad, I didn't have, and I used to get my hair cut every week. I did not have $40 a month. <laughs> right now, I know it's $40 for one haircut. And, hey, you make me want to go to barber school, Doc. You make me want to go. I didn't have $40 a month to, to give a barber. I didn't have the skills. I tried. I did try to cut my own hair. It did not turn out well. So what I did is I just started shaving my hair. Start shaving it. And my wife, she went several years without getting her nails done, without getting her, her feet done. And, and we cut back on a whole bunch of things. We cut back on cable TV. Um, we, we had direct TV, and we literally had every channel, paying hundred and some dollars a month uh, for TV that we really didn't have time to watch. We cut back to the basic package, which, which was like 19 bucks a month. We started looking, because I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. When, when you really broke and you start looking for money, you find it. <laughs> you do. You find you like, here's a 20 in my pocket. <laughs> uh, we, we started looking for holes in our finances. One of the holes that we found was we were eating out almost every other day. And so we stopped eating out and we started cooking our own meals and we saved tons of money there. What, what are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? So God dis disciplined me for 20 years. Had I not gone through that, and he opened up these streams of income that my wife and I have that we've developed in entrepreneurial endeavors. If we were in that position with the mindset 20 years ago, we would, have, we would blow, be blowing every dollar right now. Every dollar. So I want to thank God for godly discipline. I want to thank God for God. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. You're going to say that, Pastor? Okay, I'm going to say it. 
Don't say that. I'm going to say it. Not for all, not for all, not for all, not for all. Somebody shout, not for all. But what I'm getting ready to say is for some. Could welfare be godly discipline for you? Because I probably can't trust you to have all the money in your hands at one time. So I have to funnel it through a governmental assistance or funnel it through somebody else to give to you. Because if I gave to you, I couldn't trust you to have the money and actually do right by it right now. I just. So godly discipline is actually for our good. But you've got to receive it. And I'm talking to I'm talking to the children right now, to the babies. As you as your parents take you through discipline, you got to receive discipline. You got to receive it. Don't be like some I know that are actually reaping the harvest <laughs> in their children that they sold in their parents' lives. Yeah. Somebody shall receive it. I'm done. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So you take the discipline of the Lord, you take the discipline of your parents, and you use it as training. And as you are trained, God promotes you. God promotes you, and he gives you more. And the reason he gives you more, because he says, I know I can trust you with this. Can somebody say amen to that? Come on, give God a hand clap for praise all over this building. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for um, every parent, and then I want to pray for every child that's under their parents' authority, whether you're 5 or 15, 8 or 18, if you're still under your parents' authority. I want to pray for you because I know it's not easy. Because as a child, there are times when you see things that your parents don't. That's real talk. There were things that I saw my daddy didn't see. And I already know there are things that my children, they brought to my attention that I didn't, I didn't see the whole picture. So I know sometimes it's tough. And then I want to pray for every believer, every Christian, that as we navigate through life, I'm telling you, all of us will come under some type of godly discipline. What is the discipline all about? God is training you. He's training you. He's training you. Why is he training you? Because he want to trust you with greater treasures. He want to trust you with greater responsibilities. He want to trust you with greater resources. And that resources can show up in, in any form, any fashion. He's helping you to bring your flesh under subjection. Because if your flesh is not under subjection, if it gets in the right environment, it's going to produce a bad fruit. Can you manage your flesh... Although this is your area that the enemy often attacks you the most, can you bring this under subjection so even if you are in that environment, you don't produce the fruit that's going to spoil the people that I'm trying to use you to bless? God, I want to help somebody in this place. One of the areas of training that I received as a pastor was concerning my sexuality bringing my flesh under subjection. My mentor, he just kept telling me over and over again, you need to make sure that your, 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 your sexual integrity is intact because you're going to have women that are coming into your, in your ministry that are broken and God is going to use you to heal them. But if you're not healed yourself, the devil is going to implant in your mind, watch this, to take advantage of their weakness. The devil is absolutely a liar. 
So before I could grow to be able to manage ministry of this size where I'm ministering to men, women, children, or whatever, God had to make sure I was disciplined in my sexual integrity. Come on, somebody, so that I could handle the responsibility of people in their brokenness without taking advantage of it. So discipline, training. I want to pay, pray for the parent. If you're a parent in this place, just stand on your feet all over this building. Those of you who are watching at home, if you can, stand, stand. If not, just at least lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you guys because this is hard. This is, this is hard. Nothing easy at all about being somebody's daddy or being somebody's mama. If I was at McDonald's at 5 o'clock, I could swipe my card and go home. I ain't got to think about flipping no more burgers. But when you somebody mama, when you somebody daddy, when can you, when can you clock out? When can you say, I'm done? Even when they're grown, when can you stop praying and trusting God and interceding on their behalf? It is a 24-7 job for a lifetime. And all of us as parents, if you're like me, I know I have to discipline, but I get no joy at all out of disciplining my children. I love my children. I love hanging out with them. I love spending time with them. And watch this. So when they're on punishment or they're being disciplined, I know there are times that we're not going to be able to speak. We're not going to be able to, to hang out the way we used to. And I enjoy that. So when I discipline my babies, I don't enjoy it. But I know I got to do it for their sake, not for mine. So every parent, lift your hands. I want to pray for you now. Father, now in Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. First of all, I want to start by rebuking the, the, the spirit of guilt and shame, condemnation that many parents face because of mistakes they have made earlier in their children's lives. The devil is absolutely a liar. The Bible declares there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So we rebuke now the spirit of shame. Somebody shout, go now. Spirit of condemnation, yes spirit of guilt we rebuke you now in the name of Jesus we curse the assignment of the enemy that will try to imprison us to make us ineffective when it comes to being a great godly mother or a great godly father the devil is absolutely a liar now father I'm asking you now that you would rest down grace upon every mom in this place grace on every dad in this place I'm asking God that you would open up the gift of discernment in every last one of our lives in a way like never before father the devil is absolutely a lie. If our child is dealing with it, Father, visit us in dreams to show us, Father. Is our, if our babies are struggling with it, Father, men, speak to our hearts and to our minds. Allow us to see, God. Allow us, somebody shall help me to see, God. Help me to, God, don't let, it, don't let me be the parent whose child committed suicide because I didn't. I, would, I didn't see. I didn't see. I wish I would have saw, but I didn't. The devil is a liar, God. If my baby is dealing with that, let me see it. Open up my eyes, Jesus, and give me, give me keen discernment now, Father. And not only discernment, not only the ability to see, God. Give me the wisdom of what plan to implement, God. Give me strategy to reach all of my children, Father. Give me strategic details of how to, eat, how to reach, God, the specific uh, uh, needs of each child, Father. Not just the general blanket plan, Father, but I need, I need directions, Father so that I can properly minister to my children. God, I'm praying for every parent now in the name of Jesus. 
God, I'm in agreement with them right now that their children will be saved, that they will be filled with the Spirit, that they will be walking in their purpose, that they will be men of God, that they will be women of God, that they would fall in love with God. They won't just have the mindset that this is my mama's religion, that this is my dad's church, but I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I stand in agreement with them now. So, Father, give them the evangelism strategy to bring their own babies to Jesus Christ. God bless that mother. Bless that father now. Bless them now. If you are, if you are a believer, I want you to stand on your feet. Or if you are a, a, a child under your parents' authority, I want to pray for both of you all now. Yeah. Stand on your feet. Father, now in Jesus' name. God, all of us, as children, as children of God, will have to be disciplined and trained in some form or fashion. And Father, we choose not to run from discipline because ultimately it's, it's for our good. Yeah. So I rebuke the cover-up plan right now in the name of Jesus. I, I rebuke the strategy that some have developed in their minds to, to keep the lid on certain things so they don't get exposed. So they, yeah, God, flip the lid now. God, they can never be whole unless it's brought to the light. Flip the lid, Jesus. Flip the lid. They can't be delivered until that secret thing is exposed. Flip the lid now in the name of Jesus. And God, I'm asking you to use the form of discipline that you see fit. The one that's going to bring about ultimately wholeness in their lives. God, the, the, the one that's ultimately that's going to bring health and healing, Father. There are too many believers living fake lives. They've learned the Christian jargon. They've learned what to say. They, they've learned behavior modification, but their hearts really hadn't been transformed in you. God, I'm asking you right now, as, as we all undergo our level and area of discipline from you, the training that we must go through in order to be good soldiers for you, Father, that we will receive the hand of God graciously knowing that whatever God allows me to go through ultimately is for my good, it's for my perfecting, it's going to make me into the man, the woman, the man of God, the woman of God that he desires for me to be. God, I'm praying for every child in here, God, that's under their parents' authority. God, that they would receive discipline. Yes, graciously. God, not abuse. The devil is absolutely a liar. I curse abuse now in the name of Jesus. But discipline, we choose to receive it now. We choose to receive it now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and put those hands together all over this building. Remain standing, everybody. Just look up at me just for a second. Remain standing. So um, here, here's the purpose of discipline, okay? Is it training? Yes. Is it character development, formation, all that kind of wonderful stuff? But when God disciplines us, so my, my, um, my youngest daughter, she did something uh, a couple of days ago. And um, so I, I, I disciplined her. What did I do? Oh, yeah, she had to, um, I, I 
made her go to bed early and then some extra chores that I gave her as, as a form of discipline, okay? And um, that was good, but it wasn't good enough. It was good, but it wasn't good enough because what I was actually looking for was a repentant heart. And I wasn't able to tell whether the heart was repentant based on the discipline alone. Good news, Aunt Charlotte. For the next couple of days, the thing that I corrected that she got in trouble for, I didn't even have to tell her to do it. She just, just thought she did it. So the purpose of the discipline, wasn't, it wasn't retribution. It wasn't making you feel bad. It wasn't shaming you. No, I'm trying to put enough pressure on you to drive you to the place of repentance. And it worked. Here's my question for the believer. Is it working for you? I need to, because there's some of you all, God, God, not the devil, not, the, not Satan, not your haters. God says, I'm trying to put enough pressure on you, prodigal son, to bring you running back home. Some of y'all think it's the hand of the enemy. It ain't. It's the hand of God. I discipline those who I love, and I'm putting just the right amount of pressure, God, to bring you back to me. In interesting, interesting, interesting. I, I told, <laughs> uh, she couldn't watch um, TV. She had no electronics and all that other kind of stuff. And, and uh, she asked her mom, when am I off punishment? And her mom said, I don't know, you have to ask your daddy. So she called me, she said, so how long is her punishment? Is it 30 days, is it? I said, no, one day, let's try one day. And if she do it again, we'll go to three. She do it again, then we might go to 30. She do it again, then we go to corporal. We're going to break this. We're going we gonna to break it. And God loves you so much, he's saying, we're going to break this. I don't know how much pressure I'm going to put. I got to put, but I'm going to keep putting pressure on you until you wake up and say, I surrender, Lord. I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry for real this time. I ain't going back there no more. I ain't doing that ever again. Jesus, help me. My big sis, Fun, she got the testimony. She was out. I'm talking about doing some crazy stuff, and Fun knew better. Fun knew the word, grew up in church, all that kind of wonderful stuff. You know what got her? I, she, didn't, she didn't tell this testimony on Charlotte. She, she was way grown, way, way grown. I remember her really coming to the Lord and really, I'm talking about co committing her life to Christ. I remember that time when she came to the church and she was like, I'm done, God. But she didn't tell us until 20-some years later why she came to the church and why she gave. Because the night before, they were shooting and they shot her car. Come on, somebody. And she wound up running, ducking behind the wheel so her behind wouldn't get shot. And she prayed a prayer that night. God, if you let me live. I'm coming home for real. Yeah. Now, the hand of God had already been on her life. He had already put pressure on her. But he said, okay, if this ain't enough, let me take it to the next level. And for those of you who are undergoing godly discipline, I'm telling you right now, adhere to the, adhere to the hog pen now because it could get worse than what it is right now. Because God says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring you back to me.
So God, I somebody shout, I submit to your discipline now. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Those of you who are watching me online, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Because if the Spirit of God is convicting you, not Greg, not Greg, no, 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 no. I only have words, but the Holy Spirit has power. If he's convicting your heart and he's saying, it's time for you to come home, son. It's time for you to come home, daughter. It's time for you to, it's time for you to walk away from that thing from the last time now. We ain't, we ain't playing these games no more. It's time for you to walk, walk away from it for real now. You've been telling me, God, every year, every, every January 1, I'm going to stop this year, but you, we don't, we're not going to wait till January 1. We're going to do it right here at the beginning of, the, of December, and we're saying, God, I'm walking away from it. Somebody shout right now. So, Father, now in Jesus' name, thank you for your hand of discipline, Father, and we understand that you do it because you love us. You do it, Lord God, because you, you realize that you got more in store for us. You have, you have better things for us than we have for ourselves. And many of us have been reaching out to faulty things, Father, temporary pleasures when you have an eternal joy awaiting us, God, in you. Because in your presence there is a fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. So, Father, as a body, we confess we have fallen short of your glory. And we ask you to forgive us for our sins, Jesus. And today, as a prodigal son, as a wayward daughter, I'm coming home. And God, even as I come home, whatever consequences I have to receive, I'm willing to receive it. If, if I have to just be a servant in my father's house, I will do that. If I, will just, if I have to take the position of a higher servant, I'll do whatever has to be done, Father, as long as I'm home with you. But I believe if I come home today, God, I believe if I come home that you won't make me just a slave, just a hired servant, but you're going to restore me back to sonship. You're going to restore her back to daughtership. Somebody shout, today. It's happening today. I hear God saying, I want to restore you today. I want to restore you not, not just back to where you were, but I want to restore you to the place you would have been had you never fallen back. Restoration is happening today. It's happening today. So everybody repeat after me, me, say, Lord Jesus, I confess I failed you in many ways. I'm not hiding anymore, and I'm getting rid of my cover-up plan. I'm saying, Jesus, today I'm coming home. Forgive me for my sins and restore me to the place that you desire for me to be. Now pause there for a moment. Every, every, every head bow and every eye closed. I want you to make that prayer personal. I want to give you just a moment right now. Come on, come on, come on. Just a moment right now. Make it personal, sir. Mm. Yeah, we're getting rid of excuses today as to why we're not doing what it is that God has called us to do. We're getting rid of excuses today. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Ah, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on. This is your moment, sir. This is your moment now, ma'am. This is your moment. Thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit that I feel in this place now. And I want to thank you, God, that your daughter, your son, your children, today have decided to come back home not about religion not about an institution but what we have with you Jesus is all about a personal relationship we personally relate to you today and we say we love you God we give your name the praise the honor and all the glory 
and it is in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, they put those hands together all over this building. Give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody shout, I love you, Jesus. Come on, come on, y'all. Y'all can do better than that. Put them hands together. Come on, come on. Make some noise in this place. Somebody shout, I love you, Jesus. Somebody shout, I love you, Lord.